Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And Logan, Victory Monday felt good. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday. People listen to this uh, Wednesday and, and onward. Uh, now time to start to look ahead again to Detroit. Uh, but before we do that, we really got to kind of contextualize what we saw on Sunday. So that is kind of what this midweek pod will be is a look back. We've had a chance to go through the film uh, and then kind of our takeaways and then what that means moving forward. So I'm excited to dive into this. Let's start with the offense. And I uh, I went through and charted uh, for the show on Monday. I charted the personnel groupings uh, and, and run pass and everything for the first two drives, first three drives, actually. Uh, for the commanders and to see how Scott Turner mixed and matched personnel. It felt like he was doing it a lot during the game, but man, when you look at this like in a chart form or, you know, you're looking at it on film as you try to go, you know, even if you're playing like guess the play call, what are they going to do here? I, I think that upon further review, Scott Turner may have even done a better job than I thought he did when we talked on Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, I think he did an outstanding job of, uh, you know, you mentioned the personnel thing. That's something that I think was obvious on the day, but also just kind of getting to some different formations, especially early. I mean, they were kind of doing some really innovative stuff in, in terms of personnel, in terms of formation, in terms of route concepts out of certain formations. So, yeah, like hats off to him. You know, um, one of the plays that sticks out to me was the first third down they had, and they get in that kind of like diamond four-man bunch. Um and it was, uh, you know, you don't see that formation a ton. And then the concept you run out of it, I thought was very, very smart, kind of understanding how the defense has to match a four-by-one, just giving Carson answers. I mean, it's a concept you normally run out of a three-by-one, but the fact it's out of a four-by-one, it just gives you some more flexibility in terms of, like, you know, the guy that the, – the, the inside most person runs, like, a shallow cross holding the middle linebacker. The second guy runs a big box fade. The third guy runs, like, an arches route, which is where the ball probably should go. And, you know, that's the route that, um, you know, Carolina completed on Danny Johnson for a first down that everyone was talking about for a while. And then mm -hmm. usually the play is dead because you have to get to a comeback on the outside if, if they cover the arches. But the way they did it, they had Curtis Sammy run like an out return, which is great. So it's just really easy for Carson to kind of – and that's just being a savvy offensive coordinator – you know, using personnel to kind of make easy throws and easy reads and easy decisions for Carson and get the ball in a playmaker's hands and let him kind of do some work after the catch. So I think um, like that's one example. Another example that sticks out to me on the first drive is when you 
we've talked about having multiple backs in the backfield at the same time. So you get Jonathan Williams, you get Antonio Gibson in the backfield together, and it's two by one to the left. It's two by it's it's a two receiver side to the left, one receiver to the right, and that split back formation with that receiver alignment really kind of puts you in a weird spot. So you know they do the play fake to Jonathan Williams, and then Gibson runs a corner to the single mm-hmm. receiver side from across the formation. And again, you lose people in those types of counts and for him to show up and be able to make that play again, it's just a good play design because it kind of messes with defense's rules. It's something that Detroit's going to have to prep for. And again, we haven't even gotten on the first drive yet. And we've talked about two really outstanding kind of unique plays. And then even the first play of the game, which I'm sorry, I'm kind of rambling now. You get no, in 12. I mean, it's all good stuff. You get in 12 personnel and then right. fans don't like they don't even think about it, but you dictate a base defensive response by the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? So three interior guys, four linebackers, two of those linebackers are rush players. You get the safety close to the line of scrimmage, and then you run a pylon route by Terry, which is like a deep post, deep uh, corner essentially, and then a corner by Jahan with a flat control, and you get a high low on the on the safety who's buzzing from the line of scrimmage because he's playing run first and again like throwing on first down taking a shot on first down protection's good that's forward thinking stuff now you know and if you look at their first down plays like i charted i think the whole game they weren't super effective on first down but what i did like from uh from scott turner is that he did do a lot of like shot plays kind of i don't want to say gimmicky plays but things that were designed to kind of get big chunks because you then know that you have second and third down to make a play, right? And so then right. then by extension, he did a really good job on second down of saying, oh, here we're going to call an RPO, get the ball to Curtis Samuel in the flat. Curtis, excellent job making somebody miss. Now we're in a third and two, and our playbook's wide open. So in terms of staying on schedule, utilizing that shot potential of first down, like that stuff's pretty high level, man. Like it's, it's good forward-thinking football. It's it's master's level, if not PhD level stuff. I mean, you know, the second you mentioned that, you know, coming out in 12 passing and, you know, we there, there's kind of two elements to that. Right. There's one, the unpredictability of like typically when you run bigger personnel, it's like, oh, they're going to run the football. Oh, wow. They're passing. But eventually, if you do that with regularity, teams are going to be prepared for it. But you that means you have favorable matchups, too, because you either you have to make a decision as a defense. Do we match personnel? And then put ourselves at a disadvantage because we think that they're trying to trick us, which then you just get to the line of scrimmage, you can the play, and it's like, oh, well, they didn't match personnel. We got our big fellas in. They don't. Let's run it. Uh, And then you just run it down their throats. Or, you know, you do match the personnel and you try your best, but you're at a, a personnel disadvantage. So, like, it is a winning formula to do that kind of stuff, to go big and pass out of it to go small and run out of it, even if they know it's coming because you have advantages personnel-wise with how versatile this group of skill position players you have is. The other thing that really stood out to me is, like, if you look at their second drive, their first one, two, three, four, five, six plays, really, if you want to go all the way down to seven, eight, nine plays, are all out of 11 except for one play because out of 10 personnel, on the 10 personnel play, one running back, no tight ends, they run it. And, yeah. and those 11 personnel groupings never look the same. You've even got a situation where you got Curtis Samuel in the backfield and J.D. McKissick at receiver. So you're moving, and it, it's different receivers, it's different tight ends. Sometimes it's Thomas, sometimes it's Bates. 
you know, they're lined up in line. They're lined up in the slot. They're lined up outside. You have different stacks. You have different bunches. It's three by ones. It's two by twos. The splits are different. So even at times where you have the same personnel in the game, you're showing different looks out of it. And the way they were able to mix and match that, I, I guess my big like question is like, is that sustainable? I don't see why they can't do that every week. Do you think they will? I think it's, it is, yeah, it is sustainable. I think when you watch like Kyle or Andy Reid or, you know, Sean McVay, any of those guys, they do a really good job of, of staying innovative, right? Staying on the edge. I think the problem, the only problem I foresee is that it is fatiguing mentally for the coordinator and for the offensive staff. Every week you got to come up and kind of be, you know, forward thinking right you always got to be thinking outside the box you got to always be self-scouting you always got to be pushing the envelope in terms of your evaluation of yourself so like you know we mentioned the 12 personnel throwing the ball out of it that pays dividends down the road it's just about now as the coordinator when do i feel comfortable now calling a run out of 12 on first down because everyone's thinking we're passing right do i want to do install like check with me is like you're talking about hey we're in 12 let's call two plays that's kyle's big thing that's sean's big thing right is you're never in a bad position from a play call standpoint because the quarterback can get you the right thing or is that detrimental right so as much as you want to push the envelope from a formation standpoint push the off uh, envelope from like a innovation standpoint i think it's important just to kind of you know, you got to you got to walk that line, right? Because I like with Kyle, I would always think about he'd be pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, and eventually we get to a week where it was just too much, too much mental load for the guys, and we'd kind of lay an egg, right? Because we just couldn't keep up, or he'd get too conservative, and we didn't have what we needed for the opponent, right? So I think that's where it gets challenging. Is you got to walk that razor's edge as Scott Turner of saying, "Hey, I want to stay innovative, I want to stay challenging for defenses." but also want to make sure we're still doing we, – we still are who we are, right? We still got the RPO stuff. We still got the screen game. We still got these concepts in, and I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel every single week. So it, it is tough, and I think I think it'll be interesting because we haven't seen this side of Scott Turner yet. And so, you know, this is one game. I'm very, very impressed with Scott and what he was doing, and, and now I feel like every week for him is a test about – can he be the same guy week two? Because I think he deserves a lot of credit. Like, you know, everyone's talking about how the team comes out and start starts slow. He said, hell no, we're not starting slow. We're going to come out and do some different stuff. And again, the playmakers deserve a ton of credit. But yeah, man, like, what is it going to look like versus Detroit? Can you keep that edge? Not having an extra week of prep. I think people forget about that, too. They had basically 14, 16 days of preparation for this game. Not to mention the entire to... summer before that. Absolutely. And so, like, where are you at now? with regards to, to to Detroit. And can you get that same level of production and innovation done in, in a normal work week? So the other question is about the opponent and how they handled it. As you watched yeah. the tape, what did you make of how Jacksonville adjusted throughout the game? Because it seemed like they really started to clamp down. They realized that the feature guy may not be Terry McLaurin. The feature right. guy in, in this particular game plan was Curtis Samuel, and Antonio Gibson had his role as well. And so I'm, I'm curious, kind of multi multi-part like observations here how were they using terry as the number one wide receiver because i'm sure he had a role in freeing up those other guys and it may have just been like hey we're gonna see how they cover this and terry might have a big day or they might really lock in on terry and that's gonna push it down to curtis and antonio and and obviously they were able to take advantage and then what kind of changed in that that production lull in the middle of the game that jacksonville did uh, to to lock up those guys and, and and get a few drives in a row where they were able to keep the commanders from getting points. 
So what I will say is that Scott Turner and the commanders came out swinging from an offensive standpoint. I mean, like we just, like the plays we described all happened in the first 15 plays of the game. Like you could tell they scripted them. They felt good about them. You know, even the screen to Armani, like that's something that is a game plan play. Get Armani because he didn't play a ton after that. Get him in the game. He's, you know, we talked about his explosiveness on the, on the pregame show, get him a touch and it paid dividends. Right. So obviously game plan, all that stuff's game plan specific. I think what happened is a, Jacksonville started tackling better, I'd say, after like the third drive, and it really slowed down the offense because there wasn't a lot of yak. There was, it was just kind of like we're tackled yeah. here. Now we have to kind of They were so some- good early at breaking tackles. Some of the moves that Curtis makes, some of the moves that Antonio makes in space, J.D. had a one or two. They get those guys out in space, and you, you understand why it's so important to get those guys out in space. But if someone makes a tackle, like now you're, you're talking about a five-yard gain instead of the 15-yarders you were getting earlier. Right. And I think also in addition to that, they started taking some negative plays, right? They started, you know, like they had a state, they tried to get the screen to Curtis before the interception and Trayvon Walker sniffs it out and you're in second and 11. And I know second and 11 isn't a big deal, but again, it's, it just, it becomes a little bit more laborious to kind of get those first downs. And when those plays don't hit, that's when you get in those weird spots where you got to kind of like say, hey, we got to punt or we're, we're, we got to think a little bit more high level. And quite frankly, on the first and I think it was the second series of the first series, you know, they they get oh, it was after the reverse, which mm-hmm. was so open, by the way. Holy cow. If any of you have access to the film, go watch that. If Gibson makes that block, that might be uh, Jahan's like, you know, 50 yard touchdown. Th- he had three touchdowns on the day type of thing. It, it was I've never seen a reverse that open in the NFL. Great job by 41 making the play there. Anyway, so they're in second and 20, right? They run a little like pull concept, which is like Curtis sits down at five yards. Terry runs a dig behind him. They hit the pull. They get a nine-yard gain, right? So they're they're still in third or third and 10, third and 11. They get yeah, was, uh, Jackson, yeah. Jacksonville to jump off sides, right? And then which they're is in third big and time th- from Carson, by the way. Like Gets Huge. it in that spot and gets it at the end of the game. Like, that's professional quarterbacking right there. Yeah, so then starting five, then they convert, right? Later in the game, they had some penalties, and Jacksonville didn't bail them out, right, also. So they got some bailouts from Jacksonville. Jacksonville wasn't making as many plays. And then, and then the other things to kind of to culminate this thought, so in addition to the penalties being less by Jacksonville, Jacksonville making some more plays, tackling, you know, sniffing stuff out, that kind of thing. I felt like they just went back to 2021 commanders in terms of offense, right? They just went back to kind of generic play calls. Like, so all that unique stuff, like it kind of, you, you, they went out like in a boxing match. They just threw a whole bunch of haymakers. Jacksonville's on their heels. Jacksonville recovers. And then they kind of went back to more like we're jabbing. We're kind of picking our shots a little bit more. And it paid off big time, right? Because Carson Wentz can execute that kind of stuff, right? And I think that's something um, that was I thought was a little bit unique. So no, no more crazy game plan stuff. I mean, they did run a trap play with Curtis Samuel that went for 11 or 12 yards, or no, 15 yards. So again, that's a big play, kind of game plan specific to Curtis. But again, that's one play. And you know, in the conversation we just had, we talked about five plays on the opening series that they were kind of doing unique stuff. So a little shift there, I think that's part of it. But also, I think it helped everybody settle down. And they scored 14 points doing that. So you got to kind of keep that in mind as well. Yeah. So how reusable is some of that stuff, though? Like, if you can get someone early in a game on it, like, why can't you go back to it later? Why can't you run the screen for Armani again? Why can't you, you know, go back to that four-receiver bunch and 
Yeah. Go ahead, try to defend it again. And and chances are you'll defend it differently. But like there's good options on that play besides the one that you did the first time. And I, I think that's like an interesting NFL thing that you see a lot is you see these scripted first 15 and not that you can script an entire game, but like there's no reason you can't go back to the, the script because uh, you design those things specific to the opponent. The opponent's not going to change only so, but only so much during the game. So why not go back to it? Yeah, so I think a couple things. One, you have to think about what Detroit's doing, and I haven't watched a ton of Detroit yet. So once we get that figured out, that's something we'll. Well, I meant even within the game, like it would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so like what I'm saying is that like when you are self scouting, those are questions that need to be answered, right? So out of this diamond personnel, right? You know, you ran arches, which is what they ran on Sunday. Now against Detroit in the same game, what? How are they going to match arches, and what is a route concept that we can run? that breaks their response to the arches concept, right? And so that's kind of where you got to start stacking plays, using the formation to dictate a response by the defense that you know they're going to have to do, right? Oh, we ran arches? Oh, man, we're, we're killing them on arches? Now let's run all go special, right? So you run four verticals from that side, maybe a shallow cross or something like that to clear that space out, run an angle underneath, something like that, just kind of thinking outside or, or even the um, – or even the first play where they threw that play action, like you you knew you were going to get cover three on that. Like what's another cover three beater you have off of that same kind of, you know, two tight ends to the right, two receivers to the left um, personnel grouping, right? So that's where, to me, the self-scouting becomes so critical, right? Because it allows you not only in-game, but it allows you going into the next week or the week after that to stack plays on top of that and kind of put defenses in a blender because – they're anticipating something and you're saying, no, 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 no. We're going to do something different. Like the screen to Armani, I think is a great example. I think they could have come back to the screen to Armani, but they tried to run it with Curtis Samuels and they're not going to get the same response, right? Curtis Samuels is going to get a lot more attention when he tries to run that same screen as opposed to when Armani's going to run it. So I think that's something again, like they're like, oh, it worked really well with Armani. Let's see if we can get a bigger play with Curtis. Again, it doesn't work like that, right? Finding ways to get, this other guy, Armani touches, I think is a good idea because people don't account for him, right? He's just kind of an afterthought. So again, again, that's where good offensive coordinators and good critical thinking becomes so important for developing a game plan, not only within the context of a game, but in the context of the whole season, basically. Right. No, that makes sense. And like now, if Armani comes in, like teams are going to be like, hey, beware of that thing. So you got to use him in other ways so that you can right. hide it. So it's not a dead giveaway. And you get into some of that stuff too, you know. Uh, I don't. Did Diami play at all in I this don't game? Think so. I mean, I just went back and watched it for the second time this morning, and I didn't see him. But I'm sure there's yeah. like somebody who like keeps stats of who played. Yeah, I, I haven't seen snap counts yet. I need to go check. But like, you know, he's another guy that okay, you don't have any tape on him. Like early in the season, there's there's some things you can do when you haven't done a whole lot yet. Um, the question is, how do you recreate those opportunities later in the season? But that's something for later in the season.